Hi, and welcome to EcoGal, the Curious Consumer. I'm Ashley. Today in the EcoGal studio with me is Ian McSweeney. Ian's work is centered on the human connection to the land and each other. He is deeply committed to bringing about innovations to holistically evolve farmland ownership, conservation, equity, secure and affordable access, tenure and relationship. The agrarian commons is this innovation. Welcome, Ian. Lovely to be here with you and excited about this conversation. Thank you, Ashley. Great to be with you. Thank you. Well, I think the first place to begin would be if you could define what agrarian commons means. Yeah, happy to. And and yeah, the words are foreign to many, I recognize. So agrarian uh, really is related to the cultivation of land or the cultivating of land, uh, or also seen as a person who advocates for redistribution of land for farmers and farming communities. And commons is based on a kind of community-centered approach to holding, managing, and uh, stewarding an asset. Could be land, could be other resources, uh, but held by the community. Great. So then how did this trust get started? Yeah, good question. So the trust got started before uh, me. I came on about a year and a half after the trust was founded. Uh, the trust founded in 2016. I came on a little bit after that. Uh, I have a long history uh a varied work from social work to real estate and land use planning to philanthropy and then nonprofit and consulting work. And I came on to a growing trust, really seeing the opportunity and seeing the need to bring about new models for how we own farmland, how we convey equity and tenure in farmland, and how we connect with and relate to farmland. Yeah, that's really important. So then, or what is the work then? Yeah, that you're all doing. Yeah, so so the work is varied. You know, we we have a bunch of different activities and initiatives going on, but really, agrarian trust is a land trust. And for uh, viewers out there, listeners, agrarian trust being a land trust is uh, trying to pull from both conservation land trusts and community land trusts work. And now conservation land trusts are a nonprofit structure to hold land that has been in existence for about 130 years now, uh, started in Massachusetts and is spread across the country with nonprofits holding land for primarily conservation, open space, wildlife, uh, habitat protection, uh, goals. And they do that through owning the land in the nonprofit structure and in owning conservation easements, rights in the land that protect the land for those outcomes. Mm-hmm. And there's conservation uh, land trusts from, you know, very small land trusts that work in one town to statewide, regional, national, international land trust. Uh, there's the Nature Conservancy and the Sierra Club and American Farmland Trust or some of the larger conservation land trusts that work across the country and around the globe in many ways. Uh, and and they, they hold considerable land uh, for those uh, goals. Mm-hmm. And they uh, receive 
tax benefits and funding to help them carry out their work of acquiring land and protecting land. Uh, community land trusts, on the other side, are uh, newer. They're, they're about uh, 60 years old now. Uh, they started in Georgia. They started as uh, a way to, again, a nonprofit structure to hold land Instead of conservation land trust, community land trust focuses on community needs. So housing, built environment, other community and social activities and infrastructure needs. And they hold land to then allow people to either build homes or rent homes or operate businesses on those at an affordable and secure uh, access point. So they operate across the country as well, around the globe. Generally, community land trusts are much smaller. Uh, they do not benefit from uh, tax benefits or public funding in the way that conservation land trusts do. And they're generally focused on that housing built environment on a single or a few pieces of land. And then are kind of uh, localized in place. And hmm. so those are two different models of really what land trusts are as nonprofit structures to hold real estate. And so we, agrarian trusts, are a land trust. What we did, though, was look at both conservation and community land trusts and try to pull forward some of the best structures and best practices of both, hmm. and then center that work on farmland and on food production and community connection, knowing that that is so needed and so undervalued that the, the reality that most farmland is not owned by the farmers who operate on that farmland, the reality that upwards of 400 million acres of farmland across this country will change ownership this decade or next, and that the trends for the last three decades have been that farmland is falling out of production, it's moving into ownership by financial investor or non-farming interests means that so much of the farmland that we need to both grow food and connect to community and and save our planet right you know regenerate soils sequester carbon uh build uh, healthy ecosystems much of that will change ownership and much of that is not protected. So all this work that's going into uh, produce great results now around whether soil health and carbon sequestration or farm development and food production mm -hmm. um, is only as secure as those who are doing it and only as secure as those that own the land. So we are trying to step in at a point of great transition of farmland you know, the greatest wealth transfer the world has ever seen is underway now. And so we're stepping wow. in at that transition point of farmland in this country at a transition point of such wealth to offer a new model uh, that is similar to land trust work, but is focused on agriculture and focused on agrarianism, a broad spectrum of cultivating, connecting to land and to hold ownership of land in a community-based common structure to then secure long-term tenure. So mm -hmm. a 99-year lease agreement that secure mm -hmm. an equity building for farmers to operate on the ground. And then they can sell or transfer that lease agreement 
but that the model ensures that the land is always available and always in production. Wow, that's important right now. Yeah, and why is it that so much of this is becoming available? Is it that farmers are at a point where they're retiring and it's no longer like people from the family no longer want to step in? It's no, yeah, I'm curious. yeah. So, so right. The you know demographics of farmland owners are that the average age of farmland owners in this country is over sixty four years old now, and mm. that uh, farmers and farmland owners are getting older, and there's. Uh, nowhere near enough next generation farmers to replace the farmers that are leaving because right many many families that have generationally farmed uh, next generations don't want to farm they've moved away many who are moving into farming now uh, do not have family histories in agriculture or do not have uh, connection or ownership of land in their family so it's many new and beginning farmers who are you know maybe long ago their family were farmers but uh, mm-hmm. recent generations do not have the farm to pass to them or the knowledge to pass to them and many farmers who are exiting uh, their families don't want to farm anymore so there's not the connection from one generation to the next to carry forward those farms yeah. in addition like we've We've treated farmland like every other asset we do, and and it's commoditized to the point of highest and best use, which is not food production. And we say we value, you know, organic, nutrient-dense food that's healthy for us and the planet, but we don't value that on a balance sheet. We don't value that in an appraisal of land. What we value is development, extraction, and speculation. So farmland values have increased year over year for 30 years now. And farm income has decreased year over year for that same period. So yep. farmland is becoming too expensive. Farm income is is dropping significantly. So even if if there is the next generation farmer to take over, financially, it's very difficult to make that work. It is. My family had exactly that situation. We have a large farm in Thornton, Washington. All three boys wanted to continue to farm and it's a wheat farm and the subsidies just killed it. Like they all, like they were really crushed that they had to like leave the farm and end up going to school and and going in totally different directions. So it was really tragic because that's been in our family since the 1800s, late 1800s. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. These, these subsidies are really difficult. Um, it doesn't seem to be working in the right direction. It's not helping the right no. people and to keep it in and to understand this importance of really healthy soil produces really nutrient rich food. I think that this is a disconnect and, and also that there's, you know, I think that we saw with, for example, the pandemic, the importance of being able to have localized food available when systems break down, when the supply chain is jeopardize or compromised yeah um, there's local to regional food systems yeah critically important for food supply and yeah. you know kind of food resilience but i i think a, a bigger picture point is you know as we're touching upon we're each generation we become less and less connected to land and food and yeah. and those kind of small to mid-sized farms that can be in urban suburban areas where they're close proximity to people 
that is the space where people can step foot on the land, on farmland, and mm -hmm. harvest, touch, eat food. And, you know, that is so critical because the middle of our country where there's significant farmland is depopulated of people and continues to be even more depopulated. So we're, you know, most of the agricultural land in this country is where it's uh, without people who are connecting to it. And then most mm -hmm. of the places where people are have less and less active farms. And the farms that are there are, are less and less holistically connected to soil and community. So it's mm -hmm. so we're further fracturing that connection that we once had and we long for to land and to food. Yeah, I've heard that even children don't know where an apple comes from or their vegetables because yeah. of, you know, because of this disconnect. So this is really vital and important. And, you know, and it's an opportunity for schools to be able to take the children out if it's close by and to learn more about where their food comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because them to eat their vegetables, perhaps. Right. Yeah, it, it's a cultural thing, too. We, you know, we... We are unwilling to educate and build awareness uh, for people to uh, purchase and consume blemished fruits and vegetables, right? But people right. will happily purchase a hot dog or a you know dinosaur-shaped chicken nugget, right? And question nothing about how that was produced, but the small bruise on an apple that was grown organically is more concerning and scary to most consumers. Yeah, that's an interesting point. How many? So, okay. So, this is what. So, you guys are helping to get basically land for farmers to come in and farm upon. And at, at, so, at this point in time, like, where are you guys located? Uh, where are these farms? Is this kind of a national, international? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we work uh, across the United States. Uh, mm -hmm. We're a nonprofit that's registered and operating in the United States and, okay. and so not elsewhere. We, we do have some uh, collaborating organizations uh, elsewhere across the globe. There's a significant movement that's taken place in Europe over the last two decades that's created similar models to what we're creating here. Mm -hmm. And what started in 2003 there now has 20 plus organizations holding hundreds of farms in a number of countries across Europe. There's a access to land Europe uh, that if you Google that, you get to their kind of network alliance page and could see most of them. So there's many examples elsewhere across the globe of similar work, but in many ways we're behind uh, in, in land policy, land justice, agricultural reform, in this country, not surprising, but that's where we are. Uh, so we are working nationally with this work. Uh, we are unique. There, there's one. There's no other organizations working nationally at this scale that we are that are focused on the ownership, access, tenure, and equity piece in farmland. Like there's the conservation land trust I mentioned. There's mm -hmm. several thousand that are protecting farmland and doing a great job of that, of protecting it so it's not developed or lost to extraction. But that land primarily stays in private property and it may be farmed, it may not. There's very little prescribed types of farming, whether chemical or not. Um, mm. 
so that you know conservation land trust stops development but it it doesn't go that much further to protect farmland um like the soil to like ensure soil health yeah. yeah and the watershed right i mean right. all of these yeah. really important things yeah right cuz you know that's agriculture done poorly is one of the primary polluters of surface water and drainers of aquifers and you know contamination of soils and yet we're fairly silent to that because of you know big ag and money and interests that play so right. yeah conservation and, land trust protect yeah. farmland but there's a limit as to what they do generally some right. do go beyond there's always exceptions yeah and i so my understanding is also when the soil is really unhealthy first of all it will take in a lot more water right it doesn't hold the water so it needs more water but it also doesn't sequester carbon, which is such a vital thing right now. This is what the problem is, right? This, all this greenhouse gas that we need to have a livable planet. And yet there's too much because we're not able to draw it down and we're continually putting more out than we're able to, to bring back. Yeah. So, and putting it out into the atmosphere as opposed right. to sequestering it in the soil. And if we just change that, you know, direction of where carbon is flowing uh what a wonderful place right? we could live in right but yeah right so it's such this. a win-win yeah right yeah food healthy but, soil community and this in the environment yeah 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 so so we agrarian trust work nationally we work nationally some through kind of different initiatives and programs, but really the work we're talking about here, the agrarian commons, mm -hmm. we do that nationally, but we do that through this local structure, the agrarian commons. So we agrarian trust are a nonprofit entity. Okay. Each of these agrarian commons is its own nonprofit entity that's connected to us. Oh. So there's some level of autonomy in, mm -hmm. in their board governance, decisions, priorities, um, equity they hold, decision-making they have. And at the same time, they're connected to us through the structure. They are 501c2 nonprofit entities that are land-holding affiliates of a 501c3. So mm. they're nonprofits that can hold land as a nonprofit landlord connected to us during trust. That connection uh, allows us to ensure certain things take place, like regenerative chemical-free agriculture, food production, community engagement, equity to farmers and the earth. So our work is nationally, it's localized in these commons, and, and we have commons in Washington State, California, Montana, Minnesota, Tennessee, West Virginia, Virginia, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, um, and several others that are in development now as well. So we're what we do then, agrarian trust, national, and this a local agrarian commons is we partner to identify farmers and farmland, and then we partner to raise the capital needed to acquire that farm into the nonprofit structure mm. and then permanently restrict its ability to be sold on the market again or or to be encumbered by debt where it would be at risk because of foreclosure or too much debt service and then we hold it in this nonprofit structure 
And then we convey long-term 99 year where state law allows lease out to farmer to mm-hmm. then operate farm business on the ground. So we're operating in all these local communities across the country with local partners in those communities. So they make up the local boards, they make those decisions. They're the ones who are connected to and supporting the farmers. And then we, a growing trust, are providing certain, you know, finance and fundraising, legal and technical assistance, communication and admin support to them. And, And we feel that that two entity structure of a national and a local really gets at what's needed. Like we spend too much time arguing about is a local or national better. And instead, like, let's pull from both Mm -hmm. benefits of both a national entity and a local entity. And let's create something that collaboratively brings benefit back to the community and then holds land for the community. This is incredibly valuable. So I imagine as a 501c3 that that is where, so that's a fundraising arm as well, right? That you can, Correct. people yeah. can give money and they get a tax deduction for yes. doing so. So, right. So both, you know, people can give money, people can give land, both, ah. both can be, you know, a tax uh, benefit to them, um, uh, land donated, uh, it, People can have a significant carry forward to capture that full value of land um, as a tax deduction, reducing their taxable income, and then money as a donation and a you know reduction in their taxable income uh, as well. So that 501c3 status allows us to fundraise, uh, which is essential for this work, both for mm-hmm. our operations as an organization, we're continuously fundraising for that. And then for all of these land projects and these land projects are both kind of the acquisition. A a number of these are donated into us, but there's still transactionary costs and other things, but it's the acquisition transition of land in. And then we also take into account what investment improvements are needed to really bring about viable agriculture. So we're raising Mm -hmm. money to help with, you know, buildings, infrastructure, soil uh, improvements, uh, all these things that generally fall on the backs of farmers who are already struggling with very thin margins to make it financially Mm -hmm. viable and and then are having to deal with, you know, internalizing all the costs of of poor soil, of climate uh, collapse events that come, of market disruptions, of you know, other contaminants that come fired, like all these things that are coming forward, um, large industrial ag can offset those costs. Small to mid-sized farms have to internalize all those costs and they are crippled by them. Mm -hmm. So this way allows a nonprofit to both remove that cost of land acquisition and remove some of the costs of infrastructure improvements, uh, ecosystem soil improvements, renewable energy investments on the ground by raising philanthropic capital for that as well. Yeah. Um, overall, though, all of this work for us, um, because we're we're buying ownership of farms, it's similar to the community land trusts that I mentioned before that don't have public funding in the way that conservation land mm. trusts do. So we 
we give a lot of our tax dollars and we give a lot of tax benefits to protect the environment, which is noble and important cause, but right. we give very little, if any, to protect food systems, protect community food production, protect active farms. Um, so, so, you know, we need to raise all our capital from private sources, individuals, um, you know, large and small donations, private foundations, donor advised mm -hmm. funds, like all those um, we see support from. There's easy ways to donate to us, the Growing Trust, or wow. to specific farm projects on our website, right from mm -hmm. the home page. You can find those. And they're, they're really powerful storytelling and engagement opportunities that we see play out time and time again, like part of our thinking because of the realities of where our funding comes from yeah, is that we do a lot of crowdsource fundraising. So we're mm -hmm. raising, you know, small dollars from a large number of people to bring about a number of these projects. So some will see several thousand people give, you know, from $5 mm -hmm. to thousands of dollars to really want to see permanent tangible change in community to acquire this farm for mm -hmm. this community to grow food so that you know the support the letters of interest the, yeah. the engagement we see is really powerful and it's also building interest and engagement in a broader movement that's so needed so needed and i just see so many possibilities here for when people get really upset about, well, what can we do? Well, here's something that you could do that if you want to put your money where your mouth is, or if you have land that's in the family and you were not sure what you wanted to do with it, like this is an opportunity. The other thing is with these carbon tax, you know, uh, where people are like, how do I offset all of my travel? How do I offset? Uh, I work in film production as a, as a sustainability manager um, as part of, one of the things that I do and productions are constantly looking for what they can do to offset. So like, this is a perfect opportunity that has just such great ramifications across the board. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and huge awareness build too, that I, mm. you know, it's many of the farms. So the farms we work with are small to mid-sized farms, which looks quite different from one region to the next and type mm -hmm. of production. But really, you know, they're from three and a half acre urban farms. This is the smallest we're operating with now to mm -hmm. to a couple hundred acre kind of suburban rural farmstead. Um, most of those farms have significant kind of community engagement, traffic count, drive by daily, kind of people coming, visiting the farm for events, for yeah. food pickup, so that you know, the the impact is social and community based. Um, and it it's it's really inspiring to see kind of the, yeah. the connections made in community and the kind of awareness build uh, from people uh, all over. And, you know, I, I think our our press page on the website shares a lot of that, like just the press that comes forward with interests in these projects uh, that are really very small farms, but doing highly impactful work. And the transition that this creates and the ownership being secure and the right. financial burdens of that being removed from the farmer, what's possible is really amazing. 
It is amazing. I love the, I love what you guys are all doing. Um, and we could, can, I think we could continue to talk all day on this. Um, so what I'd love to do is wrap it up here and come back and um, have an even deeper conversation. If yeah, that would be that would okay. Be great. Yeah, would love to do that. Fantastic. So how would people like where, uh, what's your website and socials and so people can find you and learn more about you and donate money or yeah. time. Yep. So agrariantrust.org, A-G-R-A-R-I-A-N, trust, dot org. So that's our website. Uh, from okay. there, right on the homepage, you, you will see as you scroll down a number of farm fundraise projects. And you can click on them. There's budgets, there's stories, there's videos that tell the story of that farm. You can donate right online. Fundraising meter clicks up as soon as you donate. You see mm. you see the goal. You see how close we are. There's also on the top tab of our website is a general donate button. And then there's uh, a learn button and an about button with press and other information. So our website is a wealth of information, uh, take some time to navigate, take it in bite-sized pieces, because there's a lot there to mm -hmm. explore, but it's it's really meant to be an open resource for all as well. So we we try to share everything we're doing outwardly as an open source resource. Um, so yeah, look there, Fantastic. find out more. At the bottom of the homepage on the website, there's links to all our social accounts, but you can find all those just by searching Agrarian Trust. Um, we're on all social media you'd expect. We have a YouTube channel as well with a number of videos and presentations. So yeah, look around, explore and be in touch. There's a team uh, icon on the about section as well that has everyone on the team and our contact info. My name is Ian and it's Ian at agrariantrust.org. Fantastic. Well, thank you for this uh, very valuable and insightful conversation. And I'm looking forward to our next one. Oh, thank so, you, Ashley. Well, you're so welcome. So until then, stay curious and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Sharing the show or an episode that really resonated with you, with friends or on social media is always appreciated. For podcast updates, please subscribe at ecogal.tv forward slash subscribe. Graphic elements and logos, courtesy of Linda Cornelius. Audio editing by Danielle Mikesell. Our theme music was created by Taylor Pye. You can find us on Instagram at ecogal.tv. We appreciate your support and we value your time and energy. So we hope you found this useful and of value. Thank you for listening. See you back here soon, and until then, stay curious.